I'm Justin. Uh, if I have not met you, I am really excited to get to know you. Come introduce yourself after. Uh, tell me who you are. You guys are so close. It's great. I love this. <laughs> Come introduce yourself. But uh, just a little bit more about who I am. Got some pictures to show you. Uh, I, like you said, I'm from Southern California. I was not trying to give you just the only shirtless pic I have. This is the only picture of my entire family that I have. So uh, from left to right, this is uh, my sister-in-law, Allie, my older brother, Josh. That's me. Uh, my <laughs> Hey, thanks. Uh, that's my nephew, Daniel, up there. That's my beautiful mom. Uh, that's my sister, Heather. Uh, shut up, boys. Uh, that is my <laughs> little nephew, Gavin. My brother, Jeff, and then uh, my sister-in-law, Sherry. So super awesome people. Uh, go to the next picture for me. Yes, I have a creepy mustache. It's pretty awesome. Uh, that's my mom again, little uh, nephew, Jeff, my little, uh, this is uh, my other brother, Heath, who was not in the other picture. So I guess I was wrong. My whole family wasn't there. So we have yet to take that picture. But Heather, Josh, uh, and Daniel. Awesome family. Uh, just a little bit about myself. Like I said, I grew up in Southern California. Uh, grew up in mostly vacation places. Grew up in like the Palm Springs area. Some of you might have been there. Who's been to Palm Springs? Yeah. That's right. It's not as fun as it seems. Uh, so, And then for the past six years, I uh, was in Orange County. So uh, something you might have noticed in those pictures is uh, my dad wasn't present. Uh, so growing up, my parents got divorced when I was eight years old and funny situation, uh, me, my brothers, my sister and my mom moved in with my grandparents when that happened. Uh, but so did my dad. So my divorced parents lived together, uh, and my dad was in the back room. Uh, my mom was on the couch. My aunt was on the couch and then me, my cousins and my sisters and our sister and brothers, uh, we're on the floor, and then my grandparents were in the front. And I did that for about four years. So we grew up extremely poor. Uh, and the reason my parents got divorced was because uh, my dad had a pretty heavy drug addiction. Uh, and I got to, I got to uh, had to witness a lot of that as a kid. Um, and I share that story with you guys for a couple reasons. I think uh, I come up here, and I think it'd be really easy for me to say, hey, guys, I've got it together. Uh, but I share that because those are insecurities that are in me still today. Those have created two things for me. Not having a dad around, I have constantly tried to prove myself uh, to people, to prove that I'm smart, prove that I'm athletic, prove that I'm a man, um, and constantly, and it's still something that I still struggle with today. And then the other thing, uh, the insecurity that I got uh, from that is not having a ton of money uh, has made me try and appear as successful as possible. I don't know if you guys ever have to deal with that, but uh, you know, anytime that things seem to not go my way, I try and play it off like, no, no, I got it. I'm successful. So uh, that's just a little bit about myself. Like I said, um, grew up super poor uh, and we uh, never really got much for in presence terms. So if we were to ever ask for anything, uh, we had to be really careful on what we asked for, and we had to make real sure that we, uh, we knew what we wanted, because if you ask for something, you're probably not going to get anything you ask for for a long time. So I knew that there was one thing that I definitely wanted, and that was to play football. I wanted to be a football player. Any, any sports people out there? I'll let you boy. Uh, so, yep, that's... Uh, that's that's me, a little football player, Justin. I, 
I'm the same guy I am now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Ridiculous. So, yeah, these are good. Uh, take a picture if you want. Uh, so, I really wanted to play football. I wanted to be a football player. My older brother played football. He was three years older than me. And I wanted to really be like my brother. So, uh, I tried really hard to convince my mom, but my grandparents and my mom always said the same thing. Justin, you need to be an actor. You need to be a singer. Uh, you need to be an artist, painting with Justin on Fridays. Uh, you need... <laughs> uh, <laughs> You need to do those things. Your brother is the football player. And I was pissed. As soon as my mom and my grandparents said that, this, this chip started uh, building on my shoulder. And I was like, no way, I'm gonna prove you guys wrong. So I begged my mom every day. I said, mom, please let me play football. Let me play football. And finally she said, okay, Justin, you could play football. So she paid the $300 to let me play football. Uh, so my begging and my pleading worked out. So I was really excited. I used to play football every day at lunch uh, with my friends. And all my friends were going to play in the same league as me. So uh, I, I get to football practice. It's the first day. Throw on my, my cleats. Uh, I throw on my Walmart Under Armour, like the starter Under Armour. It was really thin and not super comfortable. Uh, and so I'm so pumped. And I'm getting ready to put my pads on. And I'm so pumped. And then the coach stands up and he goes, hey, guys, uh, hey guys don't worry about... Uh, putting your pads on today, just throw your helmet on and come out here. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, what, what is he? <laughs> if you're playing football, I feel like you need pads. I watched my brother play. He has pads. I watch NFL football. They have pads. Why aren't we wearing pads? I quickly found out that that was going to be the worst week of my life. Uh, for those of you who play sports, this was called hell week. And I had no idea what I was in for. Every day was awful. Uh, <laughs> it sucked so bad. I would uh, just throw up every day at practice because I had never run like that before in my life. My arms would give out every time we were doing push-ups and I'd just be shaky. And every day I'd walk up to my, I'd limp over to my mom and say, mom, this is eight-year-old Justin, mom, please let me quit football. <laughs> This is not football. This is the worst thing I've ever experienced. This is not what I signed up for. And first day, she said, Justin, you're not going to quit football. So okay. Uh, when I first got to practice, I loved that fresh smell of grass. The second day I got to practice, made I wanted to puke so bad because that fresh smell of grass meant that we were running because it was the beginning of a season. And so I got back the next day and smelled that grass. Coach says, put on your helmets, no pads. I said, oh, please. So he makes this run. Beg my mom, mom, let me quit football. I do this every day after practice. Last day, come up to my mom. Tears strolling down my face. I didn't cry a lot uh, as a kid. I didn't cry a lot. Uh, <laughs> but I definitely cried uh, in this moment for sure. And I said, mom. Please let me quit football. It's not what I want to do. This is too hard. I'm not getting to play. She said, Justin, the hell were you going to quit football? We paid $300. It, the only way that you're going to get to quit is if you pay me $300. And I thought about it and I said, okay, well, I'm eight, so I'm not going to pay you $300. <laughs> so I didn't pay my mom $300. And I'm really glad that my mom stood firm in that uh, because I ended up playing football for 10 years and it was a huge part of my life. And 
Uh, I, you know, we play every Saturday. Guys like Ryan Katai comes out. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> he bet me I wouldn't say his name up here, so I did. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> So we play every Saturday, and it's, it's a ton of fun, and it's just been a huge uh, part of my life. And So I share that story because I think it's really easy for us sometimes to be excited about things, and as soon as they get really hard or don't go the way that we planned, uh, we go back to what was easy. For me, it was just playing football at lunch and not showing up to practice and not sweating like crazy and feeling like I wanted to pass out. I really wanted to go back to back to what is easy. I think that we can all do that sometimes today too. Uh, I think it's really easy to get excited about the next thing. So if you guys have not been here uh, this past series, we're in the book of Daniel. And Daniel's got a really cool story. Uh, Daniel was living in Jerusalem with a, a bunch of other people. And what happens is a king comes in and they take Daniel and the same, all of his people and pull them out of Jerusalem into the city of Babylon. Okay, so Daniel right now, the start of this story, uh, is on his third king, uh, King Darius. I thought it, I kept pronouncing it Darius, and then I listened to it like on, and it's, it's Darius. I learned this really quick, so if you didn't know, it's Darius. There you go. Uh, so Daniel is on his third king, he's on his third major culture change, and he's on his uh, third living situation. So uh, did anybody here like grow up in the church? Like maybe go to Sunday school or anything? Yeah, I did not. So uh, if you did, maybe you colored pictures of Daniel with some lions, got his arms like little buddies. Hey, guys. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. But uh, I did not grow up in the church. We were what you call holiday Catholics. We would show up on holidays. Uh, I would go in. I'd sit in a pew with a bunch of old people. The pew went up to here. Justin would go, Mom, I hate this. And she goes, Justin, we paid 300 I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Justin, we're here, just deal with it. And I'd fall asleep and I hated it. So, uh, so if you're like me, the first time you read this story uh, is when you're an adult maybe. And uh, so actually a few years ago is the first time I read this story. But no matter where you're at, if you grew up going to the church or if you are just hearing this for the first time today or anywhere in between, uh, let's look at this with fresh eyes. So like I said, uh, Daniel is in this new king in this new culture uh, and in this new sphere. We're going to read together right now. So it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps. Satraps are just like governors, basically. Satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. I want you to lean in right here. I think this is really good. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Now, I think that's really interesting. I think that speaks miles into who Daniel is. He's got this king who doesn't know him, uh, who is this third king. And every king before this, if you're just joining us this week, has given Daniel kind of a seat of power because of who he is. And in some other text, it says Daniel had something inside him, a spirit inside him. So I think what we get from here is that Daniel has this attractive life for some reason that, that these people that aren't even a part of his culture are giving him these high seats of power, power over the entire kingdom. So I think that's something to... Uh, to remember. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. 
They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. I think, uh, I think that's something we should definitely look into right here is uh, Daniel has this relationship with God. And I think oftentimes for me, before I had a relationship with God, uh, I saw people who did as like, wow, their life is pretty comfortable. It seems like God has given them comfort. Maybe that's what this is like. And I think this clearly says right here uh, that just having a relationship with God doesn't always mean that things are going to be easy. Actually, the opposite for Daniel is things get a lot harder for him. They can't find anything wrong with him. They can't find anything against him except for he has a relationship with God. And they're going to use that against him. So basically uh, what happens next is these governors or these satraps, um, they convince the king, uh, King Darius, um, that uh, he should create a creed. They kind of go after the king's ego a little bit, that he should create a creed that anybody who worships something other than him for the next 30 days should be set into a lion's den. And the king, I imagine, is like, oh, people want to worship me? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Let's do it. Uh, so maybe he didn't sound like that. I don't know. Uh, so he says, let's do it. And um, so the king makes this, uh, this decree uh, with these people who are jealous of him, who are trying to trap him. And, and it leads off to this next, uh, this next verse right here. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Now, I think, uh, I think that's really cool. I think if I was in Daniel's shoes, if there was this decree telling me that I couldn't do what I believe in, uh, I couldn't believe in what I believed in, I would probably, especially if you have this good relationship with this king, I'd probably march over to the king and be like, dude, you can't do this. You know we have a relationship. You know that I believe in this other thing and I want to pray to this other thing. Why are you going to do this? Um, but Daniel doesn't do that. Daniel just does what he always has done. He does what he has done before. And I think that's pretty interesting. So then these men went out as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? I think, yep. Uh, the king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is the one, one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you're putting in, you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Hmm. I think, uh, I think that really would suck for the king to have this friend that you just totally screwed, uh, first off. Um, but I think what ends up happening right here is uh, the king gets caught and in, in stuck in this law, and he has to 
tell them, go get Daniel, put him in the lion's den. So they go and they get Daniel and they bring Daniel to the lion's den and they throw a boulder over the den and they leave him there. And in the morning, the king rushes uh, to the den and waits outside um, until light. And he, uh, he says, Daniel, did the God that you follow um, that you trust in, save you? And Daniel says, yes, he sent an angel and he saved me. My king saved me. Um, and then the king is so moved by this that he, uh, he actually makes a new decree that everyone should follow Daniel's God. So I think that's really cool is that Daniel, uh, I think oftentimes for me is that I think of standing up for something. I think of kind of talking, being loud and kind of like going after and being like, this is what's right, this is what's right. But Daniel doesn't do that. Uh, I think a better term than standing up is this idea of standing firm. Uh, kind of like my mom did with the $300. Uh, <laughs> he stands firm. I think that's really cool. I think um, he changes an entire nation just because he did what he always did, just because he had this relationship with God. I think Daniel, if I was in Daniel's shoes, uh, I would have done two different things uh, that are a lot easier. The first one is I probably would have ran. Even before this decree was made, I would have taken the people that were like-minded, who believed like me, and I would have gone somewhere else and I would have lived this really comfortable life. We would have talked about the same thing that we believed in. People would have probably put me in charge of everything and it would have been really good. Um, or the other thing that he could have done is just give in. Give in to the culture that's happening around him, uh, to this kingdom that's happening around him. He could have just um, basically said, okay, I'm not gonna pray to my God out loud. I'll just join what you guys are doing. But all he does is stand firm and it changes a nation. Does anyone here have a tattoo? Am I the only one who has a tattoo? Does anyone here have a tattoo? Thank you. Uh, I've got a lot of tattoos. Some of them I like, some of them I regret. Uh, I'm not gonna show you. <laughs> They're all in appropriate places, I swear. Uh, Probably shouldn't have said that part. Uh, <laughs> so I do have some that I got at 18 and I thought were super deep and I was like, oh, heck yeah. And now I'm like, oh, man. So <laughs> I think uh, tattoos are great. I love tattoos. I think it's really the cool Christian thing to do is get a tattoo. Uh, I think not only that, I think the... <laughs> uh, did I rhyme on accident? Oh, sick, that's dope. Uh, <laughs> so I think the really cool Christian thing to do is get this tattoo. And I think a, uh, a big thing is to get like a verse that you like. First off, here's my advice to you. Do not get a tattoo of a verse that you don't know the verse of. You should probably memorize the dang verse that you have tattooed on your body for the rest of your life. I have multiple friends that I was like, dude, that's a new tattoo. What's it mean? And he goes, uh, it just means this. <laughs> Memorize the dang tattoo. Uh, so <laughs> one of those tattoos uh, is, is Jeremiah 29, 11. I think it's a really popular tattoo. Did I hear awe? Oh, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> it's not that bad, guys. <laughs> this is a really popular tattoo. 
For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I'll read that one more time. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I think, uh, I think people misquote this a lot. I think that a lot of people, uh, I have friends who actually do think this, is this verse means, you know what? Like, picture it right here, I guess. I don't know. Jeremiah 29, 11. <laughs> I don't know if he'd read towards you or towards other people. Okay, Jeremiah 29, 11. I picture you being like, man, life's really hard right now, but God's gonna come through. I know it. And, or, you know, I'm broke right now, but God's gonna, gonna bring me money soon. I, uh, I'm not in a relationship, but God's gonna bring me a girlfriend or a boyfriend soon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> life sucks right now, but God's gonna give me comfort soon. You know, the funny thing is this verse actually takes place at the exact same time that Daniel and his people are exiled. This is actually a, a letter. This, there's a lot more. It's not just this small piece. It's a big letter. Uh, and it says uh, this to a bunch of people, Daniel's people. And uh, it's just a letter um, to them, kind of telling them how to live uh, to the people in exile. And I think, I think what it actually uh, is trying to say, I think this is really about telling the people in exile, hey, you're going to be in exile a lot longer than you thought you would. Hmm. You are going to be in exile a lot longer than you thought you would. And instead of trying to go back to Jerusalem or leave, stop trying to wait for the perfect situation to follow me and follow me now. Stop trying to wait for the perfect situation to follow me and follow me now. I think this is why I love Daniel. His situation is really, it's really bad. <laughs> I was very close. <laughs> I'm not going to be the first one to do that. <laughs> His situation is really bad, but he doesn't let his situation dictate his relationship with God. I think that's why he's such a known figure in the Bible. It's because rather than running, it's more of a prance, I know. Rather than running, or rather than giving in, he stands firm and creates life for himself. He stands firm and creates life for himself. So I actually came to this in internship in a pretty, from a cool, pretty, pretty, <clears throat> From a pretty cool situation, thanks. Uh, <laughs> I had a great job, paid pretty well. I had a great community that loved me. And I was really, I was comfortable. Uh, but I came here because I was excited to contribute and to learn and to be a part of this community. Uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. I think that is still a huge insecurity in me right now, just like, it was when I was young, is this idea of being successful, this idea of people loving me. Um, and it was really hard coming here and not knowing anybody. I think it was, it's sometimes really easy for me to wanna go back to what I had, especially when I'm lonely, especially when I miss my old situation. 
or when things just aren't going the way that I want them to go right now. Sometimes I say, when I'm done with this job, I'll figure my life out. When I'm done with this job, my relationship with God will grow because I'll have time. I don't know if any of you feel that way at times. I know you're not in my job, but in your situation. Uh, Maybe you say, when I'm living with a bunch of Christian guys next year, my relationship with God will be so good. Maybe when I'm in a better relationship, me and God will be good. Maybe when I'm not busy or maybe when I'm not stressed. And I think this list goes on and on and on. And maybe that's not you. Um, And some of you might be thinking that I'm saying you need to stay put where you're at. And I hope you know that's not what I'm trying to say tonight. If you're in a bad relationship, get out of that bad relationship. If you wanna go live with new people, go live with new people. If you wanna have a new major, a new job, any of those things, go do those things. But what I'm saying is let's not let our situation dictate our relationship with God. Let's not let our situation dictate our relationship with God. I let my relationship with my father, the situation with my father, dictate my relationship with God a lot, in all honesty. I think uh, it, it gets hard sometimes when I've got pride and I've got all this stuff inside me that I need to prove wrong. And God says, Justin, you're okay. You're okay where you're at. So, you know, we are creating this title, um, New Year Renewed You. And and at first it was New Year, New You, which sounded, a lot of people said, it sounds a little cheesy. It sounds a little like a gym's trying to get you to come over and work out with them. It sounds a little like a new diet and you're going to be a whole new person and uh, you're going to get strong and ripped and shredded. Uh, (laughs) But I really like this idea of new year renewed you. When I hear the word renewed, I kind of think of a a re-upping, a re-agreeing, a saying yes again. I think uh, I love that idea. I think of that, I love that idea of saying yes again. I think Daniel does that really well. His situation is new, but his relationship with God is pretty strong. He's constantly saying yes to God. I really, really like that about Daniel. He's got a crappy situation, but he doesn't let his situation dictate his relationship with God. I'm gonna finish a little earlier tonight than usual. Um, And I wanna finish with this thought. When life is crazy and we are in the midst of hell week or things just aren't going the way that we, they, we want them to be going, are we letting our situation dictate our relationship with God? My hope tonight is that we can be like Daniel and stop waiting for the perfect situation and create lives for ourselves now. Create life for ourselves now. Let's stand firm and create life. Will you guys pray with me? Dear Jesus, God, uh, we love you. We thank you so much for uh, entering this room, entering this place, God. We thank you so much for creating this community, this community of amazing people um, who tries really hard to get to know each other and support each other, God. I pray tonight that uh, everyone here feels welcomed and meets someone new, 
um, and feels like they matter, God, no matter where they stand with you. God, I pray that you show up tonight. Pray that you continue to show up and you continue to be with us. I love you, God. Amen.